Hey, welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegriff, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Last week, I shared that we need to stop chasing the outcome. We need to put our focus on the actual process, and for our purposes, that process was relationship. You shouldn't just try to get married because all of your buddies got married. You shouldn't just have a kid because that's what everyone else is doing. You need to focus on the process. You need to focus on the relationship. Because if you don't focus on the relationship, you're not going to have the marriage that you want to have. You're not going to be the dad that you want to be. Now, I know that we all make mistakes. I know that we all have had our ups and our downs. We have skeletons in the closet that we wish were not there. And still, from day to day, we fall. That's normal, and I'm right there with you. But I want to give you a story of hope today. I want to share an interview that I did with a friend of mine whose name is Doug Norvell. He grew up not knowing his biological father. He had no relationship with him until he was about 50 years old. And this is a story of redemption, of reunification, of hope, and it's an incredible story of grace. So I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to be inspired that if you have not focused on relationship up to this point in your life, it's okay. There's still time. There's still hope. Check this out. Well, Doug, it's really good to have you. I'm glad we got to make this happen today. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Anthony. I'm glad to be here too. I'm really looking forward to learning more about your story because I know about it, I feel like, on a service level. And even from that, it's uh, a story worth hearing. Uh, and I know I wanted to do this in person with you, but because Dallas has ridiculous and unpredictable weather, we're doing this remote, but I'm glad we're making this happen because I think dads really need to hear your story uh, because you got a story that gives hope from a couple different perspectives. And I have been teaching and focusing on communication, grace, personal integrity, and faith for fathers, just hammering down these basics, these fundamentals of fatherhood. And your story displays all of those things. You are building a relationship and you had to do it through building trust by communication, but you didn't get to that point unless you were able to give the grace that you needed to give. And you don't really want to give the grace unless you've got the personal integrity that you need to have to give it. And you really don't get that level of personal integrity unless you are rooted in your faith in Christ. And this this says a lot about you as a person, as an individual, and I'm not going to jump ahead. I'm going to let you tell the story, but let's start. Let's start out here. Uh, how long have you been married? How long have you been a dad? Uh, Tina and I have been married for 36 years. It'll be 37 in July this year. So uh, wow. we got we got married pretty much right out of high school. We dated through high school and uh, got married pretty quick thereafter. Uh, I've been a dad for 30 years. Uh, we have one daughter and I have two grandchildren now. And so I'm, I'm on to the phase of going from fatherhood to grandfatherhood. So it's a whole different level. And it's, it's really cool. It's, yeah. it's better than being a parent, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah you, know, well, you don't have, you don't have the. 24-7 responsibility. <laughs> That's absolutely right. We get to spoil and send back home, so it's yeah. really good. Yeah, you're getting to repay vengeance, I guess, for all those times <laughs> your daughter gave you heck. Um, 
Well, yeah, that's cool. I didn't realize you'd been married longer than I've been alive, not to make you feel old or anything, but uh, it's good to know. Um, Okay. So been married for 36 years. You've been a dad for 30 years. Let's backtrack quite a few years here. What was life like for you as a boy growing up? What did your home life look like? Yeah. Um, well, home life was, it was rough because I, I grew up, uh, part of my time was just being brought up by my mom. Uh, she had at that time, there were three of us. I had an older brother and sister that lived there with me and my mom. And, uh, then she met my adopted father. Um, uh, I was adopted by him when I was about four years old. And uh, he wasn't a, a really good person. He was an alcoholic and uh, he abused my mom uh, physically and abused us physically, abused me personally, physically, and uh, just wasn't a real great guy to have around. And, uh, and then when I was probably about, I guess, 12 uh, or 11, I guess, was when they got divorced. They, they divorced. And in that process, I have a, a younger sister that is his daughter. And, um, and so there, there were four of us then. Of course, my older brother and sister had been out of the house by then, and they, they had their own families and lived out. Uh, but she got remarried. My mom got remarried. And I got a stepdad in the home who, uh, who tried to be a little bit better of a father. Uh, but he had a drinking problem as well. He, he would, uh, he would be pretty good until he began to drink. And once he began to drink, he would get, uh, angry and physically violent. And so there were times when I got older in my life and, uh, began to be able to take care of myself that me and, and that stepfather had actual physical confrontations because, um, I remember one time coming home from work, I, I went to school all day and then went to work at night and we'd get home late at night and always had homework to do and things like that. Uh, on a particular night, I came home. It was one of the first times I saw him physically abuse my mom. And I had, you know, sworn to myself when that happened with the adopted father that when I got big enough to do something about that, that wouldn't happen anymore. I came home one night, sure. uh, he had had my mom up against the wall, was choking her. And I came in and kind of got him off of her and hit him. And he was drunk. He stumbled into a wall and knocked him out. We had to scoot and get out of the house that night. Um, And then there was another time, the only other time that we had a physical confrontation where I came home and he actually had a gun on my mom. And uh, we went out in the backyard and uh, I put him in the hospital that night, broke uh, three of his ribs and beat, beat him up pretty bad. Um, I was, I was about 18 years old when that happened. (laughs) Yeah. It, it was not like, uh, a a great growing up time, but I did know that my mom was a good person in that she loved me and she loved my brothers and sisters and she was trying to bring us up the best she could. Uh, but that, that time when I put him in the hospital, when he got out, he swore to me he was going to change and he did. He changed uh, and he tried to get his life right. We even started going to church at that point. Uh, but, you know, before that, Anthony, 
God was what kept me going. God was the one that uh, allowed me to be able to feel like I had a life that I could move forward with. And, and I knew I wanted to be a good person. One of my escapes when I was a young boy was reading and I would read comic books. I would read uh, books about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and things like that. And I would think of myself as being that, you know, being a, a, a superhero or being a knight, you know, that stood up for those who couldn't stand up for themselves. But in that process, through that, uh, I began to also hear these Bible study stories about the Lord because my older brother, he started taking me to church uh, when I was probably about nine or 10 years old. Uh, I went to a Baptist camp in uh, when I was about 11 and got baptized for the first time in my life and and knew that there was a Lord and a, and a God that I wanted to follow and let him kind of lead and guide me. And so really through my young life, when I had these situations I was living in, that's what kept me going. I knew God was real and I knew that, you know, he wow. was there for me. Um, but on. Yeah, so, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. My, my life was a little nuts uh, growing up. But <laughs> when I turned 18, that was when I found out about my birth father. Um, I had uh, been working with the <laughs> it's it's a complicated story. Anthony. I'd been working with uh, my mom's second husband, who was my older sister's father. And that's who I thought was my real dad, because she was married to, to this man whenever I was born. And I thought that that he was my father and he just didn't want to have anything to do with me. And uh, a lot of times he would he would come get my older brother and my sister, take them on these neat trips. They'd go to Galveston and they'd go to Dogpatch USA and to Florida and all these cool trips. And I never got to go. And uh, so that was difficult for me to understand because I thought he was my dad. And I thought this guy just doesn't want to have anything to do with me. So when I when I graduated high school, he was doing some uh, remodeling uh, in his home and he asked me, to come to work for him because I was in between jobs and uh, just fresh out of high school. And so I started working for him. And, uh, and through the process of that, I told my brother, I said, I can't believe that, you know, Stanley is my dad and he's never wanted to have anything to do with me. And my brother said, uh, you need to talk to mom. You need to uh, ask her about your dad. <laughs> and so I, I knew something was up wow. and yeah. And at 18, I found out that I had a biological father I'd never met before. Uh, wow. Let me break in right here. Cause that, that's yeah. insane. I mean, rightfully so you said you were four years old when your mother remarried. So at four, you're probably not going to remember much, if anything before then. So that makes sense, but that's, it's painful that, he was abusive, not only to your mom, but also to you. But you said that, I, I guess, did you say that they divorced around the time you were 11 or 12? And that's when your mom remarried the next time? Yeah. Well, she it was a year between okay. that separation and divorce. And then she got married 
Okay. Uh, and I was in. I see. So at the tail end, at the tail end of that of your of your first stepdad, that's when you kind of started your faith journey. About nine years old. Yes. And and part of that reason was because my brother understood that things were not good at home. And he he knew, uh, you know, I needed to get into something. Now, I was in Boy Scouts and stuff like that, Cub Scouts. I was never a Boy Scout, but I was a Cub Scout. And, of course, God back in those days, I mean, we're talking in the 70s when I was in the Cub Scouts. God was very prevalent in the Cub Scouts. We talked about God at scout meetings, you know, and we talked about, we said the pledge of allegiance and we said prayers and things like that. And so there were steps where God was letting me know, Hey, I'm here. You know, I, I exist and I'm real and I love you. And, uh, but my brother saw that need, uh, because I think he saw the anger that I had. I had a lot of anger during that time. And I think my brother picked up on that. Sure. And, you know, that's when he said, Hey, why don't you start going to church with me? Gotcha. So you start going to church at about the age of nine. That's that's wisdom on your brother's part to be able to see that and and then to guide you in such a good direction. But let me let me ask you this. So you grew up with a an incredibly chaotic childhood. You saw abuse basically your whole life, sometimes directed to you, other times directed at your mother you were engaged in some of it at an older age um it sounds like your bro- your older brother and sister were probably a f- uh, quite a few years older than you were if they were out of the house by the time you were 12 and so a lot of this it, it almost seems like you're going through these huge years that are crucial for development basically alone i mean at this point you would have had god and you would have had a better relationship there but outside of that you really never had a positive, stable father figure to look back on. Now, you and your wife, of course, married 36 years ago, but six years into that, you had uh, the wonderful gift from above and you became a dad. When that happened with your history growing up as a boy, what was going through your mind when you were becoming a father? Because you already knew at this point that the dad that you thought was your dad is no longer your dad. So you've gone through three of them essentially. And the two that you knew about weren't really great examples. So when you became a father, what was going through your mind? Were you stressed? Were you worried? Did you have anxiety? Were you fearful that you would turn out like the stepdads you had? What's going through your head? Yeah, I, I would say that I had anxiety about it. Uh, but I, I didn't I did not ever want to be the example that I had growing up. And so as a man, even when I became married, I I made a pledge uh, to myself that I would never lay a hand on my wife in anger, that she would never see me like I saw my stepfathers, that I would not abuse alcohol and that I would be the best father I could be. I would be there for my daughter because I never had that. you know, I didn't have a dad to go to my football games and I played football, you know, peewee and, and middle school and high school football. Never had a father figure come to a game and tell me I did great. And so I, I used those emotions to 
push myself to be a better father uh, than what I had an example of. I wanted to be the father that I always wanted. Sure. So while growing up like that, never having that, that voice from a father figure to say, Hey son, I'm proud of you to never get that. That's something that really messes a lot of, a lot of men up, even in their twenties uh, and thirties, when they start their own families, never having that, that word of affirmation from their dad, it haunts a lot of people. So before we get to, you know, the crux of the story that we really want to hit, what was it that held you? I mean, I know you mentioned faith. Was there anything outside of God that did it? It sounded like you had a pretty good older brother, but I mean, was there anything else or it was your brother and you're in God? It, I had um, my wife for one thing. I mean, Tina was a strong vocal point to help me. I mean, she encouraged me. She kind of filled the gaps where I needed encouragement. She would give me encouragement growing up. I, I didn't have any of that. Now, um, like I said, after my stepfather and I had gotten into a fight where I actually put him in the hospital, he began to try to be a better person. But I was already getting ready to be out of the house and be on my own. And so uh, we we became friends in my adult life. Uh, as as I became a father, he had stopped drinking. He was going to church. He was trying to do right. And that's when we kind of bonded there. But uh, the the big thing is, yes, my brother was a huge influence on me. Uh, I didn't really have a youth group. I wish I would have when I was that age because a youth pastor would have been something that really helped me, uh, you know, during those times where I struggled so bad. But I did have a, a prayer life, even though I didn't totally understand God, it took me till, you know, I was in my thirties to really know God the way that I know the Lord now. And I was a youth pastor in part of that time, you know, and, and working with youth as I was making a journey to really get to know dad or get to know God. And one of the things that, that happened in my life, uh, was I began to, um, you know, hear, other voices out there that were speaking about God that spoke into my life that uh, really helped me begin a journey as a young father and made me want to be a better person all the time. And so, uh, yeah. you know, when when I started hearing about God on a different level and really began to let God lead my life as an adult, that's when I feel like um uh, the pain and the anger and things like that, that I had built up all my life. I let go of that and let it go. And so God yeah. was, you know, he really, the Lord is what held me together and made me want to be a better person. Sure. Yeah. It's very admirable of you to go through all of that, to in a sense, harbor that pain, but rather than lashing out in anger because of how bad everything was for you, you used it as inspiration to be the opposite of what you experienced. So you used your lack of a father to inspire you to be that much more of a better father for your daughter. You, you talked about not having a, a youth group when you were younger and wishing you had that. And I remember early on when we first met that you at one point were actually a youth pastor. So it's neat yeah. to see how you 
you took all these deficits in your life and you use them as inspiration to benefit other people. That that's a, uh, that's a, that's an admirable trait to possess. So kudos to you for that. But, uh, let's jump to the good part. Cause this is, this is what I find absolutely amazing about your story and testimony. So you've gone through all of this. You have, you've managed with God and your wife and your father, and you found out about your dad, your real dad, when you're about the age of 18, but fast forward in a little bit, you're, I'll go ahead and say this much. You ended up reconnecting, Mm -hmm. but take us from leading into that and then just share your story. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was an amazing thing that God really did in my life. It's something that I tell people all the time is if we're really seeking God and following the Lord, he knows the desires of our heart and the Lord knew the desires of my heart. Uh, I had that hole that nothing could really feel it. Uh, and, and God, you know, of course, helped me through so much, but there was still so much that I didn't know about myself that I wanted to. And so about uh it's been about 13 years now that i lost my mom to cancer and uh, i began about probably nine years after i lost mom to look for my dad again and so uh you know along comes social media and uh you can do quite a bit of detective work through the internet <laughs> and so in in yeah. 2017 i began to search for my dad and um, because I felt like I, I wanted to know him before something happened to him, you know, before I lost him permanently or if I had lost him. I didn't know because I knew, you know, I'd lost my mom and she died when she was about 72 years old. And so I knew my dad was around that age. So I began to look and I found a couple of people and sent messages just asking about Bobby Sawyer. That's my dad's name. And uh, eventually I found one of my sisters. I have on, on this side of my family, on my dad's side, I have two brothers that are older than me and two sisters that are older than me. And so as I began to search, I found a sister named Deanne and uh, I reached out to her, sent her a message on Facebook. And, and I told her, I said, you know, I, I know this is going to sound weird. I know. Uh, that it's bizarre and I get it if you never want to talk to me, but you know, I, I want to know about Bobby Sawyer. Is he related to you because he's my biological father? And I sent that out. I think it was in December of 2017. And I told Tina, my, my wife, uh, you know, that I was going to try one more time and just see what happened. And if I got no response, I would just give it to God and I would just say it wasn't meant to be. And so that's kind of where uh, I I had left it. It was December 2017. Well, February 2018, I get a reply back. And she said, uh, I want proof. So I started giving her what I knew, the information my mom had told me. So one thing led to another. She met with dad and my siblings and they got together and dad told him, yes, he's your brother. He's my son and kind of told them the story of what happened. So uh, 
through that situation, he told them he wanted to have a relationship with me if I was willing to have a relationship with him. And so he called me one morning uh, when I was at work and we decided we were going to meet at uh, a restaurant on that Saturday and come together and just kind of talk and see what we thought, you know, this where this could lead. And so we we met at a Whataburger in Terrell and had coffee that morning and sat there for about three hours. And it was a wonderful uh, visit. And he got to meet my wife and uh, we got to talk about so many different things at that point because it was just him and me and Tina. And uh, he expressed to me that he knew he couldn't make up for all that lost time, but he wanted to try to see if we could you know, make up for some of it anyway. And so, of course, my heart was jumping up and down with joy because, you know, I mean, I'd been longing for this situation all my life. And when I was young, I was angry about it. When I found out about it at 18, you know, I was upset about it because I felt like, um, you know, I was the product of a loveless relationship and an affair, basically, and, and I didn't understand everything. But through my course of getting to know my dad, I found out that wasn't the case at all. That, you know, I mean, one of the first things he told me when I met him that day was no matter what you think, I want you to know you're not a mistake because God doesn't make mistakes. And uh, and that, you know, was the first thing because that's exactly what I thought. And for him to say that, it was like that took uh, so much off of my shoulders and made me feel like wow, he understands where I'm coming from. He gets, he gets where I'm at, you know? Yeah. So, so that just turned alleviate me... any anger. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not only that, but I saw tears come up in his eyes and I saw his emotions and I knew, you know, that was real. That wasn't, he wasn't putting that on. And, my dad was a, he was a humbled man by the time I met him. Cause he was, uh, you know, 77 years old and, uh, he had lived his life and all these years, you know, I wasn't there and he was willing to, Hey, let's, if you're willing to work on this, let's work on this together. And we did and, uh, ended up having a, a wonderful four years together. I knew that our time would be short, you know, because he was 77 years old and I knew every day we were kind of living on borrowed time. But, you know, one thing led to another, Anthony, and we built a, a place out here uh, for a weekend cabin is basically what we started off to do because I wanted to be able to come out here and have a place where I could bring my dogs and we could spend the night in our little place, but we were close to them to where I could come spend weekends with them and we could try to get as much in those weekends as we could. And, uh, and so that's what it started off. And this little house became a, uh, a way that God repaired a lot of things other than just a little house. <laughs> Uh, you know, we got in here and we worked side by side with each other. He met people that were important to me in my life that would come out here and help me work on stuff on the weekends. And he got to know me through other people. And uh, it helped us grow and it helped me to get to know my brothers and my sisters and and be able to have a relationship with them because it it would turn into weekends over here working on the tiny house and we would have barbecues and all hang out and tell stories. I got to hear 
how they grew up, you know, and, and hear uh, just how awesome their life was and how close they were to my dad and hear all his stories about him being young and, you know, some of the adventures that they had as a family. So it was a bonding time building this little house. And uh, God made a way for us to eventually move out here, uh, which is where we live now. We've expanded onto the little house. Uh, but we got to live out here with him his last two years that he was alive. And uh, it was a, a reconciliation, like uh, almost like a prodigal son story. You know, I mean, it was he, he looked for me to be here and he could see my house from his front porch. And I could see when he was out there and we could come together and talk and meet each other. And uh, it was just an amazing four years that God blessed us with. Wow, that's that's a, that's an incredible story. It's an incredible story of redemption, as far as I see, because I think it's remarkable that with the upbringing that you had, you still had that desire to look and to search for Him, which, when you think about it, that typically doesn't fall on the child. That responsibility usually doesn't fall on the kid. I know that kids who are adopted often try to find their birth parents as they grow up, but. I mean, you were doing a little bit more than that. You, one, discovered that you actually had a biological father who was different than you thought you had to begin with. So you discover this, and then you just continually go down this path of trying, and then it's not until 2017 that you're actually successful in this effort. You had every right to be angry, confused when you met him, but that's not what you had. And you were, you were willing to dispense the grace to actually give way for that relationship to flourish. And I think that is incredible. Now, is, what, would you, what would you say made that possible for you? Because, I mean, I think we all want to have grace. I think we all want to you know, build these relationships, but I mean, was there anything outside of God that made this possible for you? Because everything that you experienced through life would, would not render that outcome without God. Yeah. I, you know, I think the fact that, like I said, it was, there was a void there, Anthony, that, uh, that couldn't be filled. I mean, one thing that a long time ago, one of the things I told the Lord was I wanted a relationship with God like I would have with my dad, with my real dad. I said, I want to be able to come to you and climb up in your lap and wrap my arms around you and tell you about my troubles, tell you about my pains, tell you about my joys. And uh, it was crazy because I no sooner prayed that prayer than that following Sunday in a church service, the pastor at that time said, uh, your relationship with the Lord should be one like your daddy, where you can climb up in his lap and tell him about your troubles. And I was like, wow, God, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. So I had, um, from that point on, I began to seek God deeper and, and more thoroughly and try to have a relationship with him. Whenever I started looking for my father, I told the Lord, I said, you know how much I love you and you know my situation. 
and but you also know the hole that I have in my life. I just want to fill that that void. I want to fill in all those gaps. Um, I want to be able to know the person who was my father if I have that opportunity. And when God presented that opportunity to me, I was willing to make that work no matter what I had to do. And uh, and when I realized that my dad was at the same mindset, I realized because my dad told me he also had a void in his life and his heart was broken because he felt like even though he had four good kids that loved him and came around all the time and he had all these grandkids, he knew I was out there and he, and he was afraid to seek after me because he was afraid that I would be angry and that if he confronted me or came to me, that I would reject him. And he said, I just didn't think I could take that. And, uh, I was the same way, though. It was kind of a, am I going to be rejected here or am I going to be accepted? But I gave it to God and just said, Lord, whatever your will is, that's what I want. Yeah. Did you ever ask him why he wasn't there or did he render that up freely? Yeah, he we talked about it. I talked about it with my mom, too. And so I kind of knew a little bit about what was going on. At the time, they were both separated when they met. Uh, he wasn't even living with his family. He was living in Dallas because he lives, he, he lived out here in East Texas his whole life, but he worked for a trucking company that was local in Dallas. And so he began to live out there when he was separated from his wife. That's how they met. They fell in love, both of them. My mom and my dad both told me that they were in love with each other. But he told me that the night that they decided what was best for everybody, my mom told him, don't worry about Doug. I, whoever I marry next, I'll get them to adopt him. He'll have their last name. And you go back. You take care of your kids. They need you too. And he had four of them, you know. And so him and my mom came to that conclusion after a long, tough, you know, time of trying to figure everything out and try to figure a life out. My mom did not want to destroy his family. Once they realized their they him and his wife could reconcile their situation and that she wanted him to be there and raise their children. My mom did not want to keep that from happening. And so that's what they wow. decided on. And so his his thing that he told me was that he wanted to reach out, but he didn't want to cause me any more pain than what you know, I was already going through. And, uh, and so I, you know, I accept that because I, that was the same thing with me. I knew about him when I was 18, but I didn't want to hurt anybody out here. Uh, and that's why I waited until after I had lost my mom to even pursue it. Cause I thought, look, I'm 50 years old. My mom's gone. She'd been gone for a while. I'm going to try this. And, and hopefully everybody's past the point of being hurt by it. But it, I wish that, nobody got hurt, but people got hurt because they had no clue. Uh, sure. You know, my, my brothers and sisters, they didn't know about me until, you know, five years ago when I reached out in 2017. And that's when, you know, all of a sudden their life came to a screeching halt. And they said, wait a second, our dad has another life we've never heard about, you know, so you could imagine how they felt. Yeah. Which, you know, you, explaining the entire situation 
that's a that's a really particular place to be in, and I don't know how else. I mean, maybe there was a better way to go about it, but when you're in that moment, I mean, even me just thinking about it, having more time than they probably had to actually analyze what to do, and I don't know that there could have been a a better decision made. Um, but I think it's wonderful. I, I think regardless of any of that, I, I think it's wonderful that for you, there was that void and there was that prayer yeah. and that it was also on your father's side and that God came through and gave you the opportunity um, to give grace and then to fill that void in the, in the few years that you had with your father, was there anything that you took away from him? Anything that you learned? Anything that maybe you recognized in yourself that you had never recognized in a father figure previously? What did, what did you, what did you glean from him in those years that you had with him? Yeah. So, so many different things, Anthony, it's, it's crazy because even Tina would, uh, she would just be astounded at how much I was like my father didn't grow up with him, uh, but was so much like him because his DNA is my DNA. And so, you know, it's kind of hard, which is one of the things, you know, that it's, it's crazy is when you think about the fact that I spent 50 years without knowing him, but then when we get together, it's like we we've known each other our whole life. So many of his mannerisms, uh, I have to the point to where we stand the same, we sit the same, we tell the same stories, <laughs> we laugh the same, we have the same smile. So there were just so many things. But as I heard stories from my siblings about how daddy was when they were growing up, I was like, wow, that's, I've done that. I've been there. And, you know, and I kind of get where that came from now, because there were so many things that I'm like, why am I the way I am, you know, about things? And then I meet him and I'm like, well, there's my answer because I mean, Tina's astounded really at how much we were alike to never be around each other for 50 years. And, and, you know, one of the things my, I have an uncle uh, who is my, my dad's youngest brother and uh, uncle Charlie met me for the first time. We all went to a, a catfish restaurant here locally and I got out of my brother's pickup truck and my daddy got out of his car and when uncle charlie saw me he he looked at my sister and said well we don't need a dna test if that's not bobby sawyer then i don't know what is so you know i mean that just our mannerisms were the same uh but i tell you the the i think the greatest thing that i got from him is i got his heart and uh the way that he cared for people because i see uh, so many things that I do that reflect who he was. And uh, even, you know, people today, they'll come up and tell me, oh my goodness, you're just like your daddy. And, uh, and that's a good thing. I mean, he was a good person. And, you know, one of the things that I got to give back to him, Anthony, is I shared a Bible study with him and my stepmom, which is not his wife that he was with. She died several years ago um, and he remarried. And so uh, my stepmom is his second wife and she's great and I love her and she's amazing. And if it wasn't for her, none of this 
would probably be possible because if she told him, I don't want you meeting this guy, you know, it probably would have put the brakes on things, but she was so open to it. And, uh, I got to do Bible studies with them and I got to baptize both of them in my sister's swimming pool. And that was like the best gift ever. Uh, because I got to share the Lord with them and they received it and were happy and were reborn. And it was just an amazing situation. So, uh, that's one thing that I'll never forget that God did for us. Yeah, that's, that's, it's just such an incredible story when you put all the components together. I mean, literally all the statistics were stacked against you from the upbringing that you had, but for me, I look at, I, I listen to your story and the things that stand out. The obvious thing for me is God. God made all of this possible. I mean, had it not been for you even praying for that, who knows if this would have ever even happened. And God gave you this opportunity for reconciliation. Another thing that I see in this, though, is hope for other men who might be in your same situation, maybe they grew up without their father and they question whether or not they should consider reaching out. And then what do they do when they reach out? I think you give hope and inspiration that it's probably worth it. It might be good to do what you did and pray about it first, <laughs> but then having that opportunity to extend that grace and then maybe everyone doesn't get the opportunity that you had where you were able to spend weekends with them uh, consistently, but the fact that they can still learn something, see something, I mean, I'm sure it probably, probably makes you feel pretty good when someone says, man, you're just like your dad. I, I'm sure that kind of warms your heart a little bit. And so I think you give hope there. I think you also set this incredible example. And now I know you've only got one daughter, but what an example to set for your kid to display what grace looks like. Yeah. I mean, you had, you really had no reason other than you having this void to try and reconcile that relationship. I mean, after everything that you went through growing up, you had no reason to do that. Anyone would look at that story and say, he's justified in not trying to figure out who his father was, but you did it anyway. And in spite of everything that you went through and the hardship that you faced because of how everything started off, you still gave grace. And I think that is, those are some spotlight things that I, that I see from your story, but let's wrap it up with this. If there's anything else you want to share, please share it. But what from your experience, whether you're going to speak to fathers with how they deal with their children or men who grew up without dads themselves or men who are maybe in a place where they don't have a relationship with God and they're not really interested in it. What would you, what would you say? What, what about your experience in pursuing your father and then reconciling that relationship? What, what is, what's a takeaway or something that you would want to pass on to another dad from this experience? Yeah, I think probably the, the best thing about, uh, the situation and what I think that I could encourage other men that may be in the same situation would be, uh, first of all, they know what it feels like uh, as a child to grow up without their father in their life if they're in this situation. 
that is one of those things that spurred me on to be a better father and just be there. You know, it, uh, if, if you were to ask my daughter, what was the best thing about her dad? She'd probably tell you that he was always there because I always was every soccer game, every play, every tumbling, uh, you know, gymnastic meet she had or whatever she was doing, I was there. And, uh, that's the main thing, you know, about being a dad is, is be all those things that you wanted. But if you're in a situation where you're saying, you know, what if I reach out to my father and it doesn't work out this way? Well, what if you do reach out and it does work out this way? The blessings that I've received over the past four years and the blessings that um, I believe we've been able to pass on to my siblings out here. I mean, they they saw this whole thing. They saw the grace on both sides. They had to experience giving grace to me because, you know, some of them, when they first met me, they didn't want to have anything to do with me. They were like, upset and bitter about the situation. But the more that we were around each other, the more that they begin to open up and share their hearts with me. And now when my dad was passing away, uh, I remember uh, when we first, before we found out for sure that he had the cancer, he was in the hospital. My brother, Tony was down for the weekend. He lives in Arlington and he came down for that weekend. And I came in from church and went into the room there and he said, Hey, let, let's talk for a minute. He took me out in the hallway and Tony had never told me anything like this. And he said, I want you to know that whatever we find out about dad, wherever we go from this point, I want you to know that you're a Sawyer. You're one of us and we love you and we want you in our life. And don't ever think that you're not one of us because you're our family. And he said, I love you. And Tony had never Tony's not that the type of person that expresses that stuff. And so when Tony told me that, of course, that was a huge thing for me because that took a lot for Tony to get to that point and, and let me know, hey, I love you. Even though we didn't grow up together, you're still my brother and you're part of our family. And so uh, there are things like that that can happen, but we never know if we never take that step of saying, I forgive you for what happened in my life, for you not being there. And let's try to reconcile this. Let's uh, try to know each other. Because to me, uh, Anthony, it's the same thing as uh, somebody who is backslidden that ha is out of their relationship with the Lord. If we don't make that effort to get back and to reconcile things, we're going to live our life and we're going to be bitter. We're going to be angry and we're going to be backslidden and we'll be lost. Uh, but because of the fact that, you know, I took the chance and, and went for an opportunity. God blessed that. And I believe a lot of people other than just me and dad uh, had healing take place. And, and I think that's what sure. the majority of this is about. It's about healing, about reconciliation and about grace and love. Yeah. It's a remarkable story. And for me, I, I just can't help but see the grace factor that comes from that. Yes, you had to give grace, but you you also received grace in the process. And for me, it just goes to show just how incredible grace is, which when you think about the entire Christian experience, the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians 2.8, he says it's, it's by grace 
<laughs> that you're saved through faith. If it wasn't first for grace, it's yeah. like this whole relationship wouldn't even happen. And it's it's neat that that's how the relationship with your father happened. It was by grace yeah. and you taking that first step. And then you were able to have that relationship. Doug, I really appreciate you sharing this story. Uh, I don't imagine that it's always the easiest story to share, but um, you got to be vulnerable a little bit to talk about some things here. But I appreciate you doing that. I think that this story gives hope to a lot of men who probably grew up in a very similar way who probably don't want to talk about it because I don't imagine being abused and being in a home like that is something that you're super proud of. Mm. And uh, I can imagine you want to hide that as, as an adult and hiding that and not having God in your life. I can't even imagine what you're harboring internally. And I could imagine that that would create some conflict on the exterior. So I think you, you, you're going to give some people some hope, hope that there is redemption and hope that in taking that first step and that giving that grace that if, if you're putting things in God's hands, that God can really do some remarkable things. Yeah. So, um, thank you. I appreciate you sharing your story. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Anthony. I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I love what you're doing because I, I believe that as men and as fathers, we all need encouraging. And, uh, so, Thank you and keep up the good work. I'll do it. Thank you, buddy. Well, like I said, what an incredible story about redemption, hope, and grace. Now, I hope that this inspires you and encourages you to focus on a relationship if you've not done that up to this point. And even if you have, just that much more, put a focus and an emphasis on relationship, especially with your children. Now, you might be on either side of the coin of this story. Maybe you're Doug. Maybe you didn't have a dad. Maybe you have uncertainty. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you would love to be reunited with your father. I would say do what Doug did. But maybe you're that father who was absent from your child's life. If you still have the opportunity to be present in your child's life, then do it. Again, there's never going to be a right time to focus on relationship and to be a part of your kid's life. The right time is right now. And I hope that Doug's testimony has encouraged you and motivated you and inspired you to focus on relationship and also to see what God can do when you put things in his hands. This is Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you so much for being with me, and I hope you will join me next time. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Also, don't be shy. Please connect with Father in Our Future on social media and become a part of the community that values fathers, that aims to help men love being dads and to help dads be better dads every day so that together we can better father our future.